Morning, church. Thank you to everybody who's taken part. Uh, thank you to David. Thank you for all of the music. And I must uh, absolutely echo what David said. How beautiful is that cello? Anybody prefer to keep listening to the cello rather than the preacher? <laughs> well, I didn't expect my wife to put her hand up. So, so <laughs> as David said, we are continuing in John, in the book of John. And uh, this week we're in John chapter 14, and we're going to start to read at verse 15. So John 14, verse 15. If you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him, because it neither sees him or knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, but Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your heart be troubled. Do not be afraid. You heard me say, I am going away and I am coming back to you. If you loved me, you would be glad that I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. I have told you now, before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe. I will not say much more to you, for the Prince of this world is coming. He has no hold over me, but he comes so that the world may learn that I love the Father and do exactly what my Father has commanded me. Shall we pray? Oh, dear Heavenly Father, we thank you again for this opportunity to meet together in your house. And we ask, Lord, as we always do, that your Holy Spirit will be with us this morning, Lord, to open our eyes that we might understand your word, that each one of us, Lord, could draw closer to you through your word this morning. In your precious name, 
Amen. Well, thank you for the opportunity to be here this morning. It's lovely to be back and see you all again. I've commented on this before, but it does seem to me that often when I'm the one who's preaching, I seem to accidentally bring English weather with me. Um, it's certainly, we, we went and had a cup of coffee this morning. It was cold. I mean, my hands were cold. I mean, I think I'm getting soft. I've been, I've been living in California too long. That's what the problem is. Um, so then, we're in John. We're continuing in John. John chapter 14, verses 15 through 31 are our texts for today. And uh, my, my sermon structure today is straight out of Preaching 101. Three points, all perfectly alliterated. That doesn't often happen, because nothing worse than forced alliteration. Well, there's lots of, lots of things worse, I suppose. But, so three points. I've got an introduction, I've got instruction, and I have insight. Three eyes. Dennis Green, if you're watching in Texas, you'll be impressed. So, let's start then with the introduction, because we jumped in at verse 15, but if we go back a few verses and look at the, uh, the, the verses preceding this, look at chapter 14 as a whole. Jesus is preparing his disciples for the fact that he is going to leave the earth and ascend to heaven. Don't forget, they've been living with him for three years. Everywhere he's gone, they've gone. They've been with him all of the time, but the time is coming where he's going to be crucified, he's going to rise again, then he's going to have another 30 days of teaching with them, then he's going back to heaven, and he wants to prepare them for the fact that he's going to go back to heaven, and so they will no longer be able to physically see him every day and be with him. So he gives them this preparation, he wants them to understand that that's happening. And it's interesting if you count, um, if you count up the number of times in chapter 14, that Jesus makes reference to the fact that he's going to be leaving the earth, he mentions it in verses 2, 3, 4, 12, 19, 25, 27, 28, and 29. All of those references in chapter 14 to the fact that he, there's going to be a change coming that he will no longer be physically with them every day. He is going up to heaven. They need to continue the work without his physical presence. So Jesus is making everything clear. He needs them to understand this. He doesn't want there to be any ambiguity. He doesn't want there to be any big surprise. He wants them to be prepared so that when this happens, they don't completely collapse and fall apart. He wants them to understand what's happening and to prepare for it. And that's a, that's a common thing for us, isn't it? I mean, has anybody ever um, gone away on vacation and perhaps left somebody in the house to look after the house? Well, you don't just leave, do you? Not if it's our kids who are looking after the house. You give them detailed instructions as to what they've got to do and what happens if there's an emergency. Even now, even now, you know, in their 30s, uh, if, if any of them are staying over at our house and we'll go to bed before them, even before I can open my mouth to say it, they'll say, yes, 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 we'll turn all the lights off. <laughs> but Jesus here is making sure that they're prepared for what's going to happen. God's word, you see, is clear. It's unambiguous. It's, it speaks of order. It speaks of certainty. 
And so Jesus is leaving them here under no illusion as to what is happening. He wants them to be prepared. Secondly, as part of that preparation, he gives them an instruction. And he's very clear there in verse 15. If you love me, keep my commands. So he's saying, I am not going to physically be here every day. You are. You're going to continue the work that I've put in your hearts. But you, if you love me, you must keep my commands. The interesting thing is, it was their choice. He said, if you love me, keep my commands. So they can apply that test to themselves after he's gone and say, do we love him? If we love him, then we will keep his commands. We will do the things that he has instructed us over the last three years that he has instructed us to do. It was their choice. And it's our choice as well this morning. We can apply that test to ourselves. Do we love Jesus? Do we love God? Jesus is unequivocal and clear. If you love me, keep my commands. That's the instruction, the core instruction that he gives to his disciples. Verse 15, if you love me, keep my commands. Verse 23, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. The second thing he says, he said, if you keep my commands, the very fact that you keep my commands, that you do what I've asked you to do, that you live as I've told you to live, the very fact that you do that is itself proof that you love me. Keeping God's commands is proof that we love him. He says, anyone who does not love me will not obey my teachings. So for every one of us this morning who are Christians, we need to take a good look at ourselves and ask ourselves two things. Number one, do we love God? I'm not asking you to put hands up, but it's for us to ask ourselves, do we really love God? Or is coming to church a hobby? Do we love God? The second question is, well, if the answer to that is yes, then the way we live our lives, the things we do, the way we act, that itself should evidence the fact that we are living as God wants us to live. If we're not living as God wants, to, wants us to live, if we're doing things that we know he would not want us to do, then the Bible says to us quite clearly, that means you don't love God because you're not keeping his commands. Keeping God's commands is proof that we love him. But Jesus then goes a stage further because he says, in addition, if we love Christ, he says, he will in turn show himself to us. He says that in 21 and 23 again. Let me look at 23. Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teachings. My Father will love them. We will come to them and make our home with them. 
verse 21. Listen to, the, listen to these words. Or as a great preacher I hear, heard recently, a lot of preachers say this, watch this. I've always wanted to say that. Watch this. Verse 21. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. Then, the one who loves me will be loved my, by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. So you, you, can you, we need to be able to join the dots here. We need to connect the dots to get the proper picture of what Jesus is saying. The dots are, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. If you keep my commands, and there's evidence of that in your life, then that proves that you love me. And then the third connection is, and if you love me, and you keep my commands, I will show myself to you. That, that's a deep, deep verse that we should all meditate on this week. What does that mean? That Jesus will show himself to us. It's speaking of a deeper level of experience. The old the King, the King James says Jesus will manifest himself to us. So all around this is, is this instruction that we have the ability to please God, to love God by doing his commands. And the more we do that, the more he is able to manifest himself in our lives. That's the instruction. Just on that, 1 John chapter 3, verses 21 to 22. Listen to these words. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and we receive from him anything we ask because we keep his commands and do what pleases him. So this is John in 1 John, right at the end of the Bible, 1 John chapter 3, verses 21 to 22. It's the same thought there where Jesus says, if you love me, you keep my commands. If you keep my commands, it proves you love me. If you do that, I will manifest myself I will show myself to you. John says the same thing. If our hearts do not condemn us, we can come to God and ask him for anything because we keep his commands. The clear implication is if our hearts do condemn us, then we can't come to God with confidence and we can't ask him for anything we want. Is anybody struggling in their prayer life at the moment? Is there anybody wrestling with something, some concern, some anxiety? We need to examine ourselves and see if we are living the way God wants us to live, following his commands. The more that we're able to do that and shut out and eliminate all of the other stuff that the world would crowd in on us, the more powerful our lives are going to be as Christians. The third I... We've got in introduction, we've got instruction, we've got insight. Because Jesus just doesn't tell them that and leave. He then gives them a powerful insight. We all like an insight, don't we? An inside track. You know, I, I'm not a gamer, but I, I understand in game. perhaps not so much now, but in years gone by in gamers, you could get cheat codes that could sneak you up four or five levels to get you a higher level in the game. We all like that little bit of secret knowledge that gets us through a door that nobody else knows about, don't we? You know, you don't 
When you go to in and out you don't just have to have a double-double. You can have a three-by-three three or a four-by-four. Four. How many people knew you can have a flying Dutchman? That's in the in and out secret menu. So who's going to trust me later and go to in and out and ask for a flying Dutchman and get escorted to the door? Jesus said here, I'm going to give you a helper. He says that there, verse 14. I will ask the Father, he will give you another advocate to help you. Now, I'm a lawyer by background, Phil's a lawyer, but I think we both confess it's a bit unfortunate to have advocate there next to help you. I don't know how many people would think that lawyers are helpful. I don't know, that's, that's a debate for another day, and I speak as one. But, but what Jesus is saying here is, I'm leaving somebody to help you. And the word that is used there, it's translated elsewhere as comforter, uh, here as advocate, but the word is parakletos. It comes from the, it's the Greek parakletos, and the root of that word is parakaleo. And that word parakaleo has two, two elements to it. The first is para. Um, and para means by your side. And kaleo means to call. So the, the word that Jesus is using here is, I'm going to give you somebody who you can call to be at your side. And we're all given somebody to be at our side. And that person is the Holy Spirit. And he said, I'm going to give you that comforter. I'm going to give you that advocate. I'm going to give you that person to help you. So he's saying to us all this morning, if we remember, keep my commands. If you love me, keep my commands. If you keep my commands, it proves that you love me. If you do that, then I can show myself to you. But, but, he understands that it's difficult for us to do that. He understands that it's difficult for us to navigate through the troubles and experience and challenges we have in this world. That there are temptations that come in, there are problems, there are challenges, there are things that we worry about, and all of these things can knock us off beam and cause us, cause our faith to become weak, cause us to stop coming to church, cause us to be too busy to read our Bible, cause us to have no prayer time. And Jesus recognizes that and he says, but, 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 I'm giving you a helper. And that helper is the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is there to help every one of you navigate through this world in a way that pleases me and enables me to bless you. big red clock. I'm closing with this. <clears throat> four things. I put three fingers up. Four things. Four things to understand about our helper, about the Holy Spirit. You see, the Holy Spirit is possibly one of the most misunderstood figures in the Bible. You know, I grew up in a strict Reformed theology church, and if you'd have asked any one of the elders of that church, do you believe in the Holy Spirit, they would have said yes. But you never really, it was never talked about, it was never preached about. It was almost as if the Holy Spirit was, was locked up in an attic. Yeah, 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 we know about the Holy Spirit, but, you know, he, he's a bit, he frightens us a little bit, so he's in, he's in that cupboard, and we, and we really don't let him out very much. And, and I heard another preacher in another church once say, how many Christians refuse to let the Holy Spirit take his seatbelt off? 
we, 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 we understand about the Holy Spirit, but we think it's something that's got to be, you know, not spoken of or something that's got to be restricted or quiet. You know, David in his opening liturgy, John Stott, there's nothing more important than the Holy Spirit. So four things to remember this morning about our helper. The first is that our helper, the Holy Spirit, it's a secret that is not known to the world. So it gives us something the world does not have. Jesus even said in that passage, read it later, the world don't know about this because they don't see it. Every one of us has the ability to harness the Holy Spirit to give us a supernatural power in our day-to-day lives, like a huge turbo boost when we're faced with difficulties and challenges. The second thing of the four is the Holy Spirit. Here we go. The Holy Spirit... We have to think of the Holy Spirit like a person. We need to personalize the Holy Spirit. Years ago in our church in England, for two years, we had a most remarkable pastor I've ever met. He was from Ghana, and I've never met anybody who was as attuned with the Holy Spirit as this man was. I mean, you could be, I mean, once I was leading the service and he was going to preach. And we get to the final hymn before I sit down and he preaches. And he walks out the church, left the church. I have literally no idea where he'd gone or whether he was coming back. And I had to kind of wing it for 20 minutes. And he came back and preached. But I said to him afterwards, Michael, where did you go? He said, I had to go. He said, I had to walk the church and pray against the forces of the devil. That's what he was like. His whole life... He, he, was, he, he saw this spiritual battle that we're all involved. He saw it in like 3D. And he said to me once, when he was trying to get me to understand about the Holy Spirit, he said, do you know what? He said, every morning when I wake up, every morning when I wake up, the first thing I do is I say, good morning to the Holy Spirit. And I talk about my day and the things that are going to happen in my day. He said, and the last thing I do at night when I go to bed is I thank the Holy Spirit for helping me today and for giving me a good night's sleep. And the more we can personalize the Holy Spirit, the more we understand he's a real person who's available to help each and every one of us. He's not restricted or secluded or hidden away. It's somebody who's there, who wants to live, who lives in us and who wants to make our lives easier. Third thing. First thing, it's a secret that is not known to the world. Number two, we need to personalize the Holy Spirit. Number three, we need to keep him close. How many people have ever gone into a house that's dirty or a room, a hotel room that's, that's, that's scruffy and horrible and doesn't smell nice? When we do that, our reaction is, this is horrible, I need to get out. That's what the Holy Spirit feels if he comes in our hearts and our hearts are dirty and full of the world and not full of the things that our hearts should be full of. We need to keep him close. The Bible says we can quench him, we can grieve him. We need to stop doing that. I need to stop talking, the time has gone. The last thing is this. We need to ask for help. That's the fourth thing. The help is not forced on us. It's available to us. How many people come to church in a car? Why? Because it's easier. You could have walked, but it's easier to come in a car. It's a no-brainer. 
Why is it that so many Christians are happy to pull out their phone and ask Siri, but they're not comfortable asking the Holy Spirit to help them? You know, there's a lot of studies that say men are worse than women at this because men won't ask for directions. Uh, And I read a really interesting article about a guy who was teaching a course that taught people how to navigate by the stars. And at the end of the course, he put up a photograph of a house with a very low sun. And he said, his, he said to the class, is the sun rising or is the sun setting? And he said, more, in more cases than not, it, this really bamboozled the men. Because they were trying to work it out based on the system he'd been teaching them. Most of the women, however, said, oh, it's setting. He said, why? He said, well, because all the lights are on in the house. Women apparently are far more open to stepping outside of the system that they're used to to get help. That's why a man, more cases than not, won't ask for directions because his system is, I'll just wing it. And when I, he doesn't want to admit defeat and step out of his system. So we are all capable of refusing help, is what I'm trying to say. All of us. We can all walk to church or we can get in a car and drive to church. God wants us to keep his commands. That's proof that he loves us. The more we do that, the more he can bless us. But it's hard in a difficult and dangerous world. But God has given us a helper, the Holy Spirit. Just indulge me tomorrow morning. When you get up, say hi to the Holy Spirit. Tell him what your day holds. Ask for his help. Tell me what happens next time. Let's pray. Our dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much because you love us so much. Lord, you've given us all of the tools that we need to be successful in this world. I just pray, Lord, you bless each and every one of us. Help us to understand the help that is available to us through the Holy Spirit and to use him, Lord, in the way you intended. In your precious and worthy name, amen.